it's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you make. That's our goal. That's what we do. Or actually, that's what we attempt to do. And there are times that I don't deliver like you expect. Either you feel my information I give is incomplete, inaccurate, or just plain wrong. And so that's why we have Clark Stinks. It's where you can go post where you feel I need to be redirected, where I'm off base, where you feel I can give better answers. This is really important to me to know how to serve you better. And so you can post on ClarkStinks at Clark.com. Others can post comments on yours. They can read what everybody's got to say. And then weekly, you get to hear what others have said because our producer, Krista, goes through your posts and shares well, her favorites here with you on the I hate it when you say that. Sorry. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right. Clark said unlocked phones would work on any service. Not so. I bought an unlocked Moto G5 Plus at Best Buy. I was told it would work with Virgin, which is the only service I've had. Not so. After many attempts, I contacted them. They said I have to buy a Virgin phone. The same is true for Spectrum's new mobile service. Thank you for all the info you and your staff have provided. If I cannot be home when your show airs, I make sure I listen to the podcast that evening. Mary. Mary, I am so sorry you had a problem with the Moto phone on Virgin Mobile. I don't know why that is. I do know why with Spectrum you would not be able to use just any phone. If you go to Charter or to Comcast to get cell phone service, they're using a proprietary method that uses their own hotspots as well as backup from cellular networks. And as best I know with both of those, you can't just buy an unlocked phone that works on the traditional cell phone carriers and have it work on their networks. The Virgin Mobile thing, I don't understand. You really missed the key point on this, Clark. Clark, I was listening to your podcast and you gave some seriously smelly advice. You said you should bring a spare set of keys to the car dealership. So if they had your keys and you wanted to leave, you could just go. Really? When was the last time you bought a car key? With fobs built into the key and programming, it typically costs over $200 for a spare key. And I should just leave that behind? And then what? Make a completely separate trip, wasting time and money to attempt to recover it and get hassled again? How about telling your listeners to never give their keys to a car salesman so as not to be held hostage in the first place? The real money-saving advice is not trading in your car in the first place and selling it on your own to maximize value. You could have then used that segue to explain how dealers play the game of saying you get more on your trade-in but then not giving you as much negotiating power on the sale price or interest rate. I love your show, but that piece of advice almost made me think I had hit a skunk. Steven. Steven, everything you said I love. The unfortunate thing is most people don't want to deal with getting rid of their old vehicle separately, and they are going to trade it in. The problem you were alluding to is one that dishonest dealers do called roofing, And it's not a drug term. It's where they pretend they can't find the keys to or the fob 
to the vehicle you brought in to have the used vehicle manager look at it. And the term roofing came from a dealer that apparently literally would throw uh, potential customers' keys onto the roof of the dealership and say, oh, we can't find them, is a way of keeping you prisoner at the dealership. So anytime they tell you they can't find your fob or your keys, they're playing the roofing game and you make it clear to them you know that's what's going on and give you your keys back. All the rest of the advice is completely accurate. You can also get one of those little tile things, attach it to your keychain, and then your phone will tell you where the keys are if they lost them. You shouldn't have to go through all <laughs> that. Good. Yeah. Okay, dear Clark, it smells stanky in here. When a caller asks about investing in cannabis stocks, why not clear the inv- steer the investor to total stock stock market index funds or other index funds which do include cannabis stocks? It would also be a good time to discuss the advantage of low cost index funds. Thank you. I appreciate that, and the value of index fund investing total stock market index specifically, is something that is should be at the core of what everybody does in terms of investing. And the issue with marijuana stocks is like anything else, like all the calls I was getting when all the rage was Bitcoin and the other cryptocurrencies, there are always people who are looking for the next big thing in investing and I'm sorry, cryptocurrencies were never investing. They were just speculative. The marijuana stocks at this point are speculative, and it's not truly an investment play yet. And so what I would say is that the old advice from Charles Schwab, there actually is a guy named Charles Schwab with the company, anyway, is that you do core and explore, that you start with doing the broad-based investing like the total stock market index. And then if you want to play around with money that you're not going to lose sleep losing and you want to buy marijuana stocks or you want to throw money at cryptocurrency, whatever, you do that. But first you protect the base of your investing. My local news radio station airs a Clark Minute on a given topic. The latest one I heard had to do with backup cameras on cars and Clark claims that they have saved thousands of lives. The NHTSA estimates that backup cameras will save between 58 to 69 lives per year, hardly thousands. And why do we need backup cameras? Because drivers are lazy or just careless. Of course, now drivers actually need to look at the backup camera. Along the same lines, airbags were introduced because drivers were not buckling their seatbelt and the government decided that we have to protect those occupants. Studies have shown that seatbelts are very effective protecting occupants. The addition of an airbag for someone wearing a seatbelt provides minimal additional protection. So we all pay for airbags in our vehicles to protect the dumbest of our society that refuses to buckle up. Whoa. All right. Where do I start? Okay. Let me, let me start with what you last said. So it is true. The original airbags in cars, the, what we think of originally as the driver's side airbag, was to mitigate the problem of people not wearing seatbelts. But the airbag situation has changed a lot, and there are a number of airbags and vehicles now that protect you beyond what a seatbelt alone can protect you, especially from head injury, the ones that if you look to the upper left of your car above your door, you'll see there's a side airbag that's become a very important safety feature. So... Yes, the original reason airbags went in vehicles 
is because of people who refuse to wear seatbelts. That is true. On the thing with the backup cameras, the dominant vehicle being sold in the United States today is some form of SUV. And the SUVs, when you back up in them, even using your side mirror and rearview mirror, you may not see a small child. And the backup camera allows you to see a child and it eliminates the most tragic of deaths when a parent runs over his or her own child in the driveway. So I am a huge fan of the backup cameras. And once you've gotten used to using one, you really do never want to have a vehicle without one. Couple on this one, you definitely hit a nerve. Clark doesn't stink per se, but shame on him for his advice to the college student who wanted to invest his subsidized school loan made my blood pressure rocket skyrocket actually we already know we have a school loan problem in america and the subsidized loans are meant only for school expenses not investing speculating or vacationing if a student doesn't need a loan for school he should decline it it keeps him in school and loan debt free and less of a chance for the taxpayers to pick up the tab when he defaults and another one saying some similar stuff but you suggested this was free money and could be used for investing if the caller could tolerate the risk in the event of a loss on the market. I st- strongly disagree with your advice. First, student loans are not free money. They are funded by the U.S. taxpayer, and I, for one, do not want to support an immature college student investing my money in the stock market. My advice to you, please consider taking a harder line with these types of calls. Student loan debt is over a trillion dollars. It's time to sell. It's time to tell t- college students to find more affordable alternatives to college tuition and stop spending our money on pizza and the stock market. Keep up the good work. I do enjoy your show. Thank you for that. All right, so you may have heard me explain this before. Maybe you haven't. That when somebody asks me a question, unless they are specifically doing something that is clearly an illegal activity, I am careful how I respond to the call because I need for people to feel they can honestly ask me a question. If somebody's worried that I'm going to shame them, then they're not as likely to give me all the facts of the situation. You may not have also heard me say that I don't believe that we should have student loans, that the student loan program is what's led to a lack of discipline at colleges, led to tuitions going up generally over the years at three times the rate of inflation, and that we do need to end the easy access to student loans in the United States. It'll be amazing how much cheaper education becomes if we do that. Hey, Clark, twice in recent weeks, I've heard you recommend a couple of printers that save on ink by flipping the historical business model on its head, a more expensive printer in exchange for reasonable ink costs going forward. I believe the two printers you've recommended are from Brother and Epson. Well, beside me me as I type this is a Canon PIXMA G3200 Megatank printer, which I bought well over a year ago. No cartridges, three refillable tanks instead. So let's be fair to Canon and throw their name in there too. I've been an ardent fan for many years, Clark. My son was brought up on Clarkonomics and is also a devotee. I hope you never retire again. It would be a sad day for us indeed. Jay Schaefer in Penrose, North Carolina. Jay, thank you for giving us new information. So Canon's line is called what? Because I wasn't familiar with that. This is a PIXMA, P-I-X-M-A, and it's a Megatank printer. Megatank. So we have the Ecotank from Epson, 
We have the Brother ink vestment printers and then the Mega Tank from Canon. The idea of all these printers is they take on the Hewlett Packard, the dominant printer seller in the country, their bait and switch business model that they sell you the printer at a loss to them in manufacture so they can then sell you ink for eight to ten thousand dollars a gallon and it's ridiculous the way hewlett packard lures us in and takes advantage so it's great that canon epson and brother are all offering an alternative business model that makes printing more affordable i appreciate all your posts i'm sorry we didn't get to more today Please, if you feel I've missed the mark on something, go to Clark.com, go to Clark Stinks, and let me know how I can serve you better. Mike's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Mike. One four-eye to another, I guess. You want to talk eyeglasses, huh? I do. I do. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, You speak quite a bit about um, prescription eyeglasses through like Zenny, which I have used, but I have a pair of frames that are... um, name brand and a little bit more expensive that I'd like to keep, but I need to change the lenses because my prescription has changed. Do you have someone that I can use to do that at a, uh, at a favorable pricing? Now, are you a Costco member? I used to be, but I am not at this time. Because, you know, they rate the highest of any place to get glasses, according to Consumer Reports. And... Uh, my recollection is you can have them put new lenses into your frames, but you'll be without them a couple of weeks. Uh, that doesn't bother me because uh, these are uh, sunglasses that I use for uh, driving and uh, and for long distances. So that's not a problem to be without them for a couple of weeks. Does Sam's Club do the same thing? You know, I don't know the answer to that. But, oh, okay. uh, you know, a lot of Sam's Clubs have eyeglass facilities so you'd be able um to check it out there but you know the traditional way you talked about zenny costco most of the discount eyeglass places are all set up about putting uh new lenses in new frames and so it does become a frustration when you want to find a place that will replace the lenses in an existing pair of frames. I'm looking to see who else did really well. Interestingly enough, have you looked at the Consumer Reports most recent ratings, or is that I just have. the kind of thing I do? I have. You have? Yeah, I, I have. And, you know, I've my regular eye doctors replaced them once before for me, but it was about... Uh, Almost three hundred just for the uh, for the lenses. The and frames, th- that's the issue know. because, yep. according to Consumer Reports' most recent uh, research, is having an independent doctor do it is one of the highest rated there is, except for one problem, and that's the cost. And the cost is is so so high, and so when I look at the list, there's uh, there's no one on the list that is not a high-volume producer with low costs that gets a high rating, and that's why that is such a problem. So what I would do is I would go look at the Consumer Reports list, skip the independents, because you already know how good your independent is, but also how expensive, 
and then mm-hmm. run it by the different shops listed in order to see who will replace lenses with your existing frames. Okay. So in other I'm words, gonna, let the uh, run, quality run by Sam's Clubs too, and yeah. just because I have a membership there, and, and if Sam's that Club works, got a I'll decent you know. Sam's Club got a decent rating in the scores. They're in the second tier. They're not the very top uh, customer satisfaction rating, but they got a very good rating. Very good. Well, thanks for your help, and I'll uh, check things out. Thank you. Let us know where you find a deal. I will do that. Right. Thank you. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. But right now, I want to talk about something else. We're on the eve of Veterans Day, a day that for so many Americans is just, if you get Monday off from work, it's just a day off from work. It doesn't really signify anything or mean anything to you. And it's because... We used to live in a country where military service was a shared sacrifice. In every family, there were people who served in the military. And it was something you just did. In my family, I'm from an immigrant family. Uh, All four of my grandparents came to the United States sometime right around 100 years ago. But pretty quickly... Members of my family went into the U.S. military, and my late father and my two late uncles both served in theaters of war in World War II. My father was an officer in the Army Air Corps. During Vietnam, both my older brothers served. One was a naval officer who served with the Marines in Vietnam in the Mekong Delta and my other brother was a sergeant in the National Guard during the Vietnam War and I can talk about cousins and all the rest it's part of what our family did the next generation of our family not a single person has served or does serve in the military And this is true for so many American families that we send the same small number of people in an all-volunteer military who volunteer to serve our country and protect our freedom, and they deploy again and again and again, disrupting family life over and over again, putting themselves in the line of fire and danger. And recently in Afghanistan, we lost a part-time soldier who had been the mayor, was currently, while serving, the mayor of a city in what's known as Salt Lake Valley and north of there in Ogden, Utah, and gave his life for our country. And we have people who make the ultimate sacrifice and theaters of war have made it all through our history. But this is not Memorial Day. This is Veterans Day coming up where we acknowledge and show respect for and thanks to the brave men and women who've served our country through our nation's history. And I am so grateful to those who do. And I take a very controversial position that I think we should join the other countries in the world, not that many do this, 
but that you were required to serve your nation for two years after high school and do so either with the military or in some form of public service for two years, where we have a shared sense of what our country's about and a shared sense of responsibility and duty to our nation that's larger than just about ourselves. I believe so much in what this great country has made possible, and we are not a perfect country, far from it. We do crazy things from time to time in the United States, and we have moments in our history we're not proud of. But there's so much we have done that's so great over the years, and we have long been a beacon of hope to the world. And we also have been there when our nation was challenged, when freedom was challenged, and brave men and women have been there for us while we've been living our civilian lives. I encourage you to think about how we get back to a shared sense of service in the United States as we approach Veterans Day this Sunday and ways that we can get involved. What activities can you get involved with that benefit your larger community? doesn't have to be military. I think about all the great work so many people do volunteering with various organizations. Think about pilots who volunteer with the Civil Air Patrol. People who volunteer as auxiliary policemen or volunteer firefighters. There are so many ways you can be part of being a force multiplier, a force for good for our country. And so I ask you to think about ways like that. And if it suits your life for you to join the National Guard, enlist in the military, whatever, to provide for our nation's defense and protect those values we hold so dear, I encourage you to do so. I, for the last 17 years, have been a member of our state guard. You may not even be aware of such a thing as a state guard, but in about half the nation's states, as part of the state military of the air guard, the army guard, there's also a state guard. And I have been proud to serve and am happy to do what I can do in the missions we do so often involve following some form of natural disaster. A lot of our activities in my state guard have been following hurricanes just recently deployed for that. Um, Any kind of major event, incident, fires, whatever, state guardsmen are there. Search and rescue. State guardsmen are there. And I have a link at Clark.com where you can see as we approach this Veterans Day, how you could get involved with your state guard. It's part of, each state guard is part of each state's Department of Defense reporting to, ultimately to the Adjutant General of a state. Many are embedded within National Guard units. Others operate in assistance to National Guard units as assigned by the governor of that state or the governor's representative, the Adjutant General. 
in many states, uh, much of the, of the force is made up of people who have prior military service. In many states, you don't have to have prior military. And you go through a version of boot camp, usually called IET, initial enlistment training. The pay is great, nothing. The pay is great. The satisfaction you have in serving your fellow citizen of your state and your country. Just one way of many ways you can help out your fellow citizen and this great country. And over these next few days, think about not just the Veterans Day sales. Think about the veterans who did so much and sacrificed so much so you and I could be free and live in this great nation. Brenda's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Brenda. Hi, Clark. So I was calling because um, I got an email a few days ago. Um, this like looked like a letter form, and the person, wherever it came from, was saying that they were hacked my email account, and they had all my contacts, and not to call the police because you couldn't trace it, and they were going to charge me $895 if I, if I, I didn't want them to put out um, photos or pictures, which there were no inappropriate pictures. But I was just wondering, should I sh- just shut down my email account and open a new one, or is that... All right, so this is, this is a con that we talked about months ago. There, oh, okay. there is a possibility that maybe this is not a con and you are being blackmailed by someone who was a hacker who successfully broke into your account, but most often mm-hmm. it is just a straight con and they may know your email address, but that may be all they know. Okay. But what I would suggest is that you do um, run first, before you do anything else, run a scan on your computer and make sure there are no viruses currently on it. Okay. Because I know the computer will run scans like on its own, and it'll say to me, you know, no virus is found, but I should go ahead and do that. Yeah, I would do that, and then go into your email and change the password on your email. Or do you have a Chromebook? I do not have a Chromebook. I was going to suggest that kind of helps you sandbox. But anyway... Um, change the password and on that account and set up two-factor authentication as well. Are you familiar with that that you can do with email? Um, I haven't done it, but I've, I've heard, yes, I'm familiar with it. Okay, so I would set up two-factor, change the password, and if, there's, if there was an actual hack, the most common hack people have suffered has been to Yahoo Mail accounts. Was this a Yahoo Mail account? Uh, this was a Optimum Mail account. So uh, captive of your internet service? That's, yes, the Optimum, yes, that's my internet yeah. service. So I have a suggestion. I don't like for people to have their primary email account, even use one at all, that is tied in with internet service. This is a different issue, but over the next few years, a lot of people are going to disconnect traditional high-speed internet through a phone or cable company because there are going to be a bunch of wireless choices. 
and you don't want your email to be captive to a company you may not remain with. Okay. So maybe this is a good inflection point for you to sign up with a new email service. One I've been recommending of late is ProtonMail, which is a fully fully encrypted email service. Okay. And it is free. It's from Switzerland, if I remember right. And a lot of people tend to go to uh, Google because Google is so, uh, (laughs) Gmail is the most dominant email service, whatever you think would work. But it would be, potentially, this may be a good heads up that maybe you need to migrate your email going forward to a different one not attached to your home internet connection. Okay, so you said, and the name of the um, the email or company was Proton, P-R-O-T-O-N, mail.com. Dot com, great. And Uh, I should just shut this this one down. Well, I mean, you can just let it kind of go dormant if you want. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Thank you so much. Sure, and have a great day, and again, the odds are this is just a con, somebody trying to get in your wallet. Right. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Best to you. Thank you. Thanks. And Natalie's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Natalie. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly, Natalie. You have a question for me about your credit union. Yeah. So we just switched our kids over to a different credit union here in town, and they gave us information on a youth certificate. Um, it's for members age 0 to 12, and then they actually have one at a different APY for 13 to 18. Um, but this one that we're looking at, it's a minimum of $100 deposit, um, and it's got a 4% APY, and it matures on the kid's 13th birthday. And there's no penalty in the sense of anything else happening, but if you take out money, you lose the, um, the earned dividends that was put in on that so but wait 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 you said you said they pay four percent yes they do you know that's probably the highest savings rate in the country right now that's what i kind of thought it was a good deal but i couldn't find anything out there on it wow so the credit union in order to encourage the idea of young people getting into the habit of saving money has this account, you open it, you put the money in, you leave it alone, and you get 4%. I'm loving this. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So so it is a good deal. Yeah, I would not put in more money than you couldn't leave there. You know, how old are your kids? Uh, We have eight, five and a half, three, and seven months. You got a busy household, don't you? We do, yes. (laughs) So the eight-year-old, you can go ahead with an eight-year-old. You can explain the account to them, show them information on it, and have them appreciate what you're doing and what will be available. You said at age 14, 13? Uh, 13. 13. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And the older one is actually a 5% from 13 to 18. No way. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. All right, Natalie, just hit me with it. What is the name of this local credit union? Because I got to check this out. It's Ultra Federal Credit Union. How do you spell that? A-L-T-R-A. Wow. And what state is this credit union in? 
This is Wisconsin. Wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at this thing and see what they're up to because from what you've told me, this isn't good. This is great. That's awesome. That's really cool. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing and put that money aside for your kids at four percent. What a deal. I will. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's time for Ask Clark. That's when you post a question for me on Clark.com. And then our producer, Joel, gets to be you. All right, Clark. Now I'm Amy, and Amy wants to know, she says, I was just wondering if you knew of a reliable, respectable place where I can sell my no longer wanted engagement ring. Oh, I'm, I'm really sorry that things didn't work out. And you have this ring you've got to sell, and it's very, very difficult because a ring doesn't bring anywhere near what would have been paid for it. And uh, jewelry that you buy has a massive markup versus what you can sell it for. And there are jewelers that will allow you to put, uh, the, usually it's the stone they'll sell, the stone up for sale on consignment, which will usually get you the most money. But it is a very, very hard journey to get any real money for it. I mean, you get just, I'd say, uh, beyond pennies on the dollar, but not very much. So it requires some shoe leather for you to go jeweler to jeweler. The other thing is if there is a jewelry show, many times there'll be jewelry shows traveling through town that'll be at a conference center, a convention center, you can take the ring there and go booth to booth and have a better shot at figuring out who will pay you the most money for it. So I'm really, again, I express my sympathies that it did not work out, but it is one of the tough parts of the jewelry business. Once purchased, the jewelry isn't worth near what was paid for it. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.